thousands of things are fighting for your yes every day. There's thousands of things that, that, that are thrown at you, text messages, emails, notifications. There's so many thousands of things, expectations of bosses, expectations of spouses, expectations of Jesus, expectations of all these things. So there's thousands of things demanding from us our yes every day, fighting for the yes that is inside of us. And so we as wise people must decide what am I going to say yes to and what am I going to say no to? Come on. Are you with me? But let me tell you this morning that life is found in the yes. Life is found in the yes. It's found in the response. It's when we're responding with life. It's not when we're living in reaction like so many times, man. And I'm probably going to be preaching to myself a whole lot during this series. So many times I'm giving the yes to people when really there's a no. Come on, are you with me? And it's a reaction. It's the yes is a reaction. Sometimes for other people, the no is the reaction. But life is found in the yes. Now, this doesn't mean when we say life is found in the yes, that doesn't mean that you have to say yes to everything. Are you with me? In fact, a lot of times our yes requires a different no. Are you with me? So this series is about responding to heaven's invitation, not about the demands of the world. It's about responding to Jesus and the righteousness that is already inside of you to, to whenever we say yes, it means yes. You know, Jesus said, Jesus gave us this, this paradigm to let our yes be yes and our no be no. A lot of the times we say yes, and it's just a saying of the yes. There's no heartfelt or there's no follow through. Right. It's just a word. Yeah. So Jesus said to let your yes be yes and no be no. In fact, he said, you don't even have to make promises. You don't have to swear. You don't have to do any of that. Just let your yes be yes. But we live in a society where our yes isn't good enough, so people require more. They require a contract. They require a promise. They, do you promise to be there? Why? Because we have tainted the value of the yes. Right? So we've tainted. When we say yes and someone asks for us, do you promise? That's probably a good indicator that we haven't been very good follow through with the word yes when we said it. Or we just said yes to please the moment as a reaction, but in our hearts we didn't really want to do it. Come on, are you with me? But God wants our total and complete yes. Everybody say, God wants my yes. Wants my yes. yes means no, again, in a lot of ways, but never in our obedience to Jesus. So even sometimes yes means no, it's never in our obedience to Jesus. We've always got to obey Jesus, regardless if it's a feel like it or not feel like it. My, my default to response to Jesus is always yes, even when the heart connect isn't there. Because a lot of times we say yes, and then as we're following through, we, we lead our heart in that direction. Are you with me? So sometimes we, we, we're, we are obedient to the righteousness. Even when we don't feel like being righteous, we're obedient in the righteousness and the heart comes later. Right. We, it's called follow through. It's following through with what we commit to. And sometimes the yes is, is a heaven yes inside of us. Um, so we always say yes to the kingdom first lifestyle. Now listen, when Jesus gives us this paradigm, you know, we, we have our little, you know, things that we bought, Hobby Lobby, our little plaques and all this kind of stuff. It's God first, God first, God first, God first, God first. Did you know that Jesus never said put God first? Did you know that? He said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Do you know what he said in Matthew six thirty three? He said, seek first the kingdom. So in that, is God seeking God first, but it's everything that surrounds the presence of God. It's yes to a life that is kingdom driven. It's yes to a life that is all about Jesus. It's yes to a life that says, I'll do whatever it takes to put Jesus first and make his name famous. Can we bring that volume down just a little bit, uh, Eli, so I can eat my mic? (laughs) 
I feel I feel like I'm I'm reacting to my microphone. I, I love this John chapter six verse sixty three. It says the Spirit alone. Jesus is speaking to all these people. He, he's having all these people kind of freak out on him and flake out him. They said yes, and then they start hanging out with Jesus for a long time, and then the follow through isn't there. Right? They're like people start ditching Jesus. He's and he told them right up front. He's like, it's going to cost you everything to follow me. And he told them that, and they're like, that's okay, we're in, sign us up, here we go, Jesus. And then he starts teaching. He said, if you don't partake my flesh, if you're not willing to pay the same price that I'm not willing to pay, then you're not worthy to be my disciples. And so people start ditching him. They're like, I don't know, man, Jesus, this is, this is more than I signed up for, right? So Jesus speaks up, and he says, the Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. Did you know that in your effort, in God's eyes, you can accomplish nothing? I'm a, I'm a pretty efficient guy. I can get a lot of stuff done. But if I'm not being kingdom driven about it, if it's not, if Jesus isn't my goal in what I'm doing, then God says it accomplishes nothing because it's just human effort. It's not life in the spirit. So the Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. So what is Jesus saying? He's saying, if you will respond to my voice, you will accomplish things. But some of you do not believe me. For Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe him. And he knew that they would betray him. Then he said, this is why I say that people can't come to me unless the Father Gives them to me. At this point, many of the disciples turned away and deserted him. Now listen, these were the disciples. These weren't just the crowds that were showing up to eat the loaves and fishes. These were disciples. These were people that were hanging out with Jesus that were in his grind day in, day out. And it says that when Jesus said this, that many turned away and deserted him. They lost their yes. They lost their response. They decided to say, no, Jesus, we want something else. And listen, as wickedness increases, Jesus talks about the end of the age. It says that that the love of most will grow cold. Are you with me on that? Jesus didn't say that the love of some would grow cold. He actually said the love of most will grow cold. But he that endures to the end shall be saved. Scary. All right. So at this point, many of his disciples, and this isn't a, a burdensome message. We want your heart response. Come on, are you with me? They said no. And then Jesus turned to the 12 and asked, are you going to leave? So here's all these other disciples. Now, these aren't the 12. Now, we know that one of them did. And Peter, for a moment, come on, his yes became no for a little bit, a couple days there. And then he got the real big yes, right? Simon Peter replied, he said, Lord, to whom would we go? He's like, Peter, are you going to leave? Look, everybody's leaving. What are you guys going to do? And he's sitting with the 12. They're right there with him. He's like, everybody's leaving. I think Jesus was probably heartbroken at this moment. I mean, can you imagine the rejection he was experiencing? Because he wanted them to experience life, the life that the disciples were entering into. He was wanting them to experience that. But people were saying no. They were saying yes to some of it, but not yes to all of it. And so when Jesus started laying all of it out on the table, they were like, "Uh uh-uh, this isn't what I signed up for. I didn't sign up for sign up for 100% complete devotion, Jesus. I just wanted to be there when we were eating free meals. I just wanted to be there, Lord, when you start talking about heaven. Come on. 
all this giving our lives up. I don't know, Jesus, if, if we're ready for that. We'll see. So Jesus, heartbroken, I believe in this moment, looks at the 12 disciples, those closest to him. He says, what are you going to do? Are you going to leave like everyone else? And then Peter, of course, speaks up because he's the one that always speaks up. And he said, Lord, where else are we going to go? Where else? To whom would we go? Who are we going to follow, Jesus? We have abandoned everything to follow you. We left our nets. Probably their families had rejected them. You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know that you are the Holy One. We know that you are the Holy One because we've experienced, because we've been in connection, we've been in relationship. Let me say this today, that life is not found in the know. I read a lot of books, you know, not a lot of books, but I read some books. I read a lot of things on leadership, you know, blogs, stuff like that. And everybody's talking about what, what can we say no to? What can we say no to? And listen, there are things that you have got to say no to. This world is demanding so much of you. But sadly, most of us, we will say no to the things that God is asking of us. We will, we will say yes to everything else that brings us pleasure that's worldly, but we'll say no to God, things that cost us something. And so this is the age, this is the generation that we live in. But however, you can sit around and you can deny yourself every day. Say no to, to ungodly pleasures. You can, you can be like, no, I'm, I'm steadfast. I'm holy unto God. I'm, I'm saying no, 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 no to wickedness, no to everything. And God loves that. He loves that devotion. He loves that commitment. We're not speaking against that today. But did you know that life is not found in the no? It's not in what you say no to and you push away. Life is found when you respond to Jesus with a yes. So you can push all those things away. You can have holiness, but you can miss the man. Now, the man will require you those things. He will remove anything in your life that's a distraction if you'll allow him to. But I love this, Matthew 19, 27. We have left everything to follow you. This was Peter talking. He's like, Lord, the reason why that we've experienced the life, the reason why we're in this for the long haul, because we've left everything. We don't have anything. We burned the plows. We lost our nets. We, have, we, we, we eliminated all options, Jesus. Most of us, we have, we'll have the world kind of in our pocket, you know. Come on. Just right there. Uh, let, me, let me kind of pick up this bad attitude because somebody did me wrong. And you look like the world and you don't look like your father. You all right? It's quiet in here. So... Listen, we can, only find, we can only find life in the yeses when it's a total yes, not when it's a partial yes. Come on, I want to say a yes right now, but whenever it's a yes to the core. And again, sometimes the, the, the yes has to be there. But notice that we have left everything to follow you. And so many times we focus on the we've left everything, but there's a second part to that, to follow him. Are you with me? I, I remember... Um, when I was a teenager, I was 16 years old, I moved in with my dad. And part of the reason why I moved in with my dad, he said, son, if you will move in with me, I will help you get a car. It was really the best thing that he could have ever offered because that was very appealing to a 16-year-old. You guys know that. And he said, I'll help you get a car. Now, there were rules when I moved into his house, right? Come on, are you with me? You got to go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I don't know what would happen if we tried to do that nowadays be called legalistic or something, right? 
he said, uh, and you'll have to get a job. I was like, whoa, I'm still in school, right? No, I didn't think that at all, actually. I was like, okay, because I was thinking about the car, right? And so I did have to count the cost. I did have to know, when I move to my dad, I'm going to have rules. I'm going I'm gonna to have to go to church. Like, it won't be like whenever I feel like it. If I don't even feel very good, I'm still going. Even if it's raining, I've still got to show up, right? I've got to go. Like, it's, it's what's expected in this house. So I knew that living in the house brought great benefits. And so I did have to count the cost. But because I count the cost, I found life. And there were things I had to say, start saying no to, right? Yeah. Couldn't hang out so much with my friends anymore on the weekends like I used to, right? Things had to change in my life. There had to be no's. And, uh, but one of the things that I learned in that process is, is hard work. I learned, I learned the, the, the value of, of giving up things, to, something that costs me to get something. Are, are you guys with me? And, and we love the grace message, and we love that Jesus paid everything. But so many times our faith is so cheap. And so what happens is like, we're, oh, man, I just believe in Jesus. I just love Jesus. So I'm going to sleep till 3 o'clock in the afternoon every day. God still loves me. He's put, he does. He loves you. But you don't get it. You don't get it. If you, if you think the love of God is just sloppy enough for you to just kind of do whatever you want to do and just be laid back about everything, and every, you don't get how much he loves you. You've got it in concept. Yeah, he loves you unconditionally. But listen, there's a, God, God loves you. If you read Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it says, you know, it talks about the, the, you know, about the grace. We're saved by grace and through faith and all this kind of stuff. And then it says, but we are created for good works. So we like to leave that part out and just focus on the first part because we're lazy. Right? We love the no. We love to tell God no. Well, God, no, but you still love me. And it's true. You do tell God no, but he still loves you. But when are you going to come in alignment with his love for you? Because that's when you're going to find life is whenever you say yes. And yes means the no, but no necessarily mean the yes. Are you guys with me? Like you can say no, but that doesn't mean you're saying yes. Right? But yes will require the no. Are are y'all tracking with me? No. (laughs) No, Leslie's like, "Uh uh-uh. You can say yes. Yes always means no to something. But just because you say no doesn't mean that yes is following. Are you with me? You can say, no, I'm not going to do anything. No, 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 no. But that doesn't mean there's a yes. But when you say yes, there's always a no. There's always a no to something else. Right? When I go to bed at 10 o'clock most nights now because I'm old, I'm saying no to watch Conan O'Brien. Because he comes on later. Right? Okay. So the yes is costly. Um, this is the deal. All right? And I'm, I'm kind of giving you guys kind of a, a breakdown for what yes is. is uh, there, there, there are two different ways that you live life. You live life out of reaction or you live life out of response. Right. Are you with me? This is my schedule. Got to do this. Got to do this. Got to do this. Right reaction. Right? Kids, babies crying, change the diaper. Reaction. Right? Come on, are you with me? Not necessarily all reactions are bad. But many times, there's no life. Listen, there's no life in, in the demands of life. There's no, there's no, like, finding pleasure. There's no finding enjoyment if we're just living in reaction. Because we're not really doing anything that's pleasurable. We're just reacting to everything that's happening around us. So that's why there's no life in the no. Because we're just reacting. No. 
Can't do that. No, no, no. No. My default. No. React, react. Can't do anything. So when God comes and he's like, why don't you do this? We're like, no. Why? Because we're so programmed to live in reaction rather than living in response to the Holy Spirit that is calling us to do things. And we go, no, nah, can't do that because my schedule and that and we have thousands of reasons why we can't. Are you with me? And we just, uh, no. No to a good attitude. It hurts me, so I react. Instead of responding with the Spirit. Are you guys all right today? All right. There's no life in living in opposition. There's no life being negative. There's no life in living defensive. Right? If you're, if everything, if you're negative, that negative no, you're like, oh, no, you're not going to treat me that way. No, it's, this isn't going to happen. And no, and everything's just so negative. And you're like, no to this and no to that. And we're opposing this and we're opposing this. This is what happened to these, like, Westboro Baptist people. It's just no, 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 no. Well, nobody wants to be part of that. Why? Because there's no life in the no. So it's easy to know, you know, we should, we should be recognized by what we're for before we, people know what we're against. People should know what we're for before they know what we're against. Because we live life with a yes. Because we live life in response. Reactions, uh, because of rejection... Uh, they're, in, they're unintentional. Reactions are unintentional, right? If you come up and you slap me in my face and then I react, you're going to get slapped back, right? Because that's a reaction. But a response would be like, well, turn the other cheek. It's a little harder sometimes to respond. Um, reactions are emotional. They're emotional. They're unmindful. They're more natural, right? Because they're carnal. Reactions are carnal. But responses are intentional. They're stable. They're heartfelt. Us that are parents know that sometimes, most of the time, we react to the behavior of our children. They're reacting to our behavior, so we just react to theirs. So our house is just reactive. There's no response. There's no tenderness. There's no love. There's no life. It's just stressful. So you're just waiting to put them to bed at night. Right? For those of us that have kids. It's easy to just live in reaction rather than living in response. Holy Spirit, what are you saying? How do you want me to discipline my kids? Am I even giving the moment to the Holy Spirit to live in response? I believe that we need to change our default because our default is a reaction. I believe that our, that our, our response needs to be yes. That doesn't mean that we always necessarily say it, but our, but our response is always yes. Our response is always upbeat. Our response is always positive. But so many times we're so quick to shut down opportunity because we live in reaction. So what happens is every day God gives us opportunity. People are rude to us. People are mean to us. A bill comes in. So we have all these opportunities to respond to what the Spirit's saying and respond in faith. But there's also another opportunity to react. The bills aren't paid. Oh, got to do this. This person was mean to me. React. Well, let me tell you, it's a reaction. God wants you to live in a response. He wants you like Jesus. But responses take mindful obedience, don't they? And they're not natural. So what Jesus is wanting is our total yes. He wants it built into our core, into our DNA, because it is our response to him, a willing, obedient spirit, a, 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 not a spirit that justifies all the reactions that I've made. Because this is what happens is we react, and then we go, well, this is why I reacted. Right. Because you did this. 
Are you, are you guys catching this? It's like, it's just a reaction. This happens, so I'll react to it. No, God wants a response. He wants the right thing. He wants the obedience to his spirit. What is he saying in that moment? Second Chronicles 16, uh, verse 9, it says, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those who heart, whose hearts are fully committed to him. I love this picture because of what it says about the Lord. God is looking... You know, I mean, God sees all, right? But it says that even though, even though he sees all, he's intentionally looking around the earth, looking for someone that has a yes towards him. Someone that says, my heart is fully committed to you, God. So he's looking around. Hey, who can I find? Who can I find that will respond to my spirit? Who can I find? Because most people are living in the no. So he's looking for people that say yes. I'm right here. Pastor Chad said it like this one time. He's like, I want to paint a big old yes on my, on my house so God can see it when he looks down. I know that God isn't necessarily physically looking down on the earth, but I want, I want there to be yes. I want the yes on my bumper sticker. I want the yes on my chest. I want the yes tattooed across my face so Jesus can see it. I want, Lord, I'm over here. He's searching the whole earth looking for those whose hearts are, hearts are completely towards him. Right over here, Jesus. Right here. Here's where I am. Right here, Lord. Right here. 1016 Darby Town, that's me, Josh Brown, fully committed. He's looking for those people that will say every minute of every opportunity, God, here I am. Not for those that would just live sheltered so nothing bad happens to me. And if something does, I'll just react. No, he's looking for those that would be like, Jesus, here I am. Here I am looking for opportunities everywhere I go. When I'm at Walmart, when I'm at church, he wants those with his yes. And let me just say this, that God doesn't want you busy, he wants you fruitful. God doesn't want you busy, he wants you productive. We, we have an idol in our age today that we live in, it's called busyness. And so we think people, oh man, I'm so busy. So someone comes and you're like, hey, can you help me out? No, I'm so busy. Right. It's a reaction. I'm so busy. How are you doing? I'm busy, I'm tired. Reaction. You're responding to your life, not bringing life to every situation that you have an opportunity. So we make excuses. I'm too busy. I've got this going on. I got that. I can't respond to what God's saying because I'm too busy. So your schedule is your God, not Jesus. I'm busy. I'm too busy to serve in the kingdom. I'm too busy uh, to do to give up three or four hours a week to serve the kingdom of God. I'm too busy. I got too much going on. Really? Because it's really all about you. You've got too much going on. Trust me, I, I battle this all the time. So I've, I've really made it, made it a, a, an ambition in my life to say, I'm gonna, when people ask me how I'm doing, I'm not going to react and say, I'm busy or I'm tired. Are you with me? Because there might be a, a, a moment for me to respond to this person who might be demanding of me. There might be something that the Holy Spirit has for me for that person. And there probably is, because we're in community. So God doesn't want you busy. He wants you fruitful. Then yeah. don't equate just because you're busy, you're getting stuff done. <laughs> Come on, you could be on the treadmill working out all day long, but you ain't going anywhere, right? I don't care how long you spend on that treadmill and how, long, how hard you work on it. You ain't going anywhere. You're still in your house, right? right? Go somewhere. 
Now, I've felt like this before in my life, that I'm just so busy that I just have... Listen, God doesn't want me busy. He wants me fruitful. God wants us productive. The problem that we've done is because we get overwhelmed with our busyness is that we, we try, when it comes to God and, and the things for God, what we decide to do is we just kind of tell him no. And we hope that we'll be more productive by telling God no. We hope that we can do less and get more out of life. But it just don't work that way. And sadly, we live in an age that's just like, I just don't have time for that. I just don't have time for God. I don't have time to go on an outreach. I don't have time to pass out flyers. Well, maybe you need to get your priorities straight and just start living the kingdom out. And then it won't be about events. It'll just be about you because you are the church. We don't go to church. We are the church. We gather together at a building we call the church, but we are the church. So let's talk about this thing called burnout, right? Well, I don't want to get burned out. Well, first of all, I've never met anybody. I've met a couple of people that are doing enough to get burned out. But it's fun, interesting, the people that aren't doing enough stuff are usually the ones that are complaining that they're burned out. And so what I'm finding is, like, the people that I know that are, like, the busiest, most productive, really, they never complain. Oh, I'm just so tired. You don't ever hear that. They're just go, 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 go. And you're like, dude, that's awesome. How do you do that? Because they're living in response. So much talk about burnout in our culture, you know, the, the, the sell of uh, coffee and the sell of energy drinks are at an all-time high. Why? Because people are burned out. They don't have any energy. Why? Because we're just reacting, letting our schedule dictate our life. Listen, we must live at a rhythm. It's not about balance. It's about rhythm. Good. We, we are going to have a lot going on. We live in the information age. You're going to be, your phone is going to be blowing up. You're going to have the tendency to get overwhelmed. Trust me. I deal with it every stinking day. You can ask Leslie. I deal with it every day, the opportunity to get overwhelmed. But we must find a rhythm. But that rhythm needs to be kept count to heaven's metronome. He needs to be the one that is setting the pace for our life. And we can only set the pace of our life to heaven's metronome if we're saying yes to his rhythm. And not the rhythm of this age, and not the rhythm of this world, and not the rhythm that, that, our, that our, our, ske- our schedules have. It's his schedule for us. And listen, we've got, we've got to have jobs. We've got to have, God wants us in those places. God wants you in the marketplace. God wants you in your job. He wants you, he, he, he wants you in these places. He wants these things, but, but he, he wants you to live in response when you're in those elements. Even when they're hard, even when they're difficult, how are you going to respond to Jesus in the difficulty? Because they're opportunities. We call them obstacles, but the only difference between the, an obstacle and an opportunity is you. The only difference between an obstacle and an opportunity is you. How are you seeing it? This is keeping me... No, it's not keeping you from doing anything. It's an opportunity for you to be like Jesus. This is keeping me depressed, discouraged. No, it's not. It's an opportunity for you to rise above and partner with the victory heart of God. Burnout doesn't happen because you're doing too much, but because you're doing life wrong. Can you tell me I'm doing something wrong? That's the reason I got burned out? Yes, I'm telling you that. That you could even say you're burned out shows that you have a bad perspective. I've never said that. Never burned out. Never said that. I've been wore out, but I'll never say burned out. Because I want, I got a fire in me that will never die. Come on. It's my job to feed that fire. 
Uh, you're not going to get burned out by serving Jesus and his kingdom, doing too much for God. You'll never get burned out doing too much for God. Never. Because that's where life is found. It's found in the yes. In fact, you will only get burned out by saying no to God. That will cause you to get burned out. I'm just so busy. I'm just, I got this going. It doesn't matter. Just say yes to God. Whatever your schedule's like. Whatever opportunity there is. It's not about rearranging your schedule. It's about your perspective on your schedule. When I'm at work, I'm not just a bean counter. If, you're, if you count beans for a living. No, you're a manager of the beans of this place that God has given you, this opportunity to shine the light of Jesus, to penetrate darkness for the way that you move the beans from point A to point B. Your attitude, this is one bean God. Thank you, God, for another bean. Right? And we, we complain about our businesses where we work. We complain about the environments in our, in, that we're in. But we don't do anything to bring blessing to it. So it's going to stay the way it is. When God has you somewhere, he wants you to bring light to it. He wants that place to prosper because you're there. But what do we do? We get in a situation we don't like. And God's like, won't you just shine light? Because the reason I have you there is so Jesus can be representative. Because nobody else is representing Jesus. So I need an ambassador there. So I gave you the sucky job that nobody else will take. So we just say yes to me in the job that you hate. And then learn to love your job because I'm going to exalt you in that place because he who humbles himself will be exalted and I'll exalt you in that place even though you hate it. And you'll learn to love it. And then he'll get you out of there and put you somewhere else. God's got you here. So you just be faithful wherever you're at. Bring the kingdom. All right, Matthew 16. I know I'm coming all over the place, but this is important. Matthew 16, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone... I feel like I'm being kind of like preaching with attitude today. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, uh-oh, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Can't we just pretend that wasn't in the Bible? <laughs> for whoever wants to save his life, listen, for whoever wants to save his life, for whoever wants to manage his life, for who, he, whoever wants to control his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. I'm going to start going through the day going, how much of my life have I lost today? Because that's when I'm going to find pleasure. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? It's time that we get the pulse of heaven and get on with our destiny. It's our destiny to serve more than we're serving. It's our destiny to make community a priority with the body of Christ. It's, that, that, that is, it's your destiny to be in community with one another. You better make time for it. If you don't make time for friends when you don't need them, you're not going to have them when you do need them. And God's developed this incredible community that we have here that, that in all honesty is going to take more than an hour and a half on Sunday mornings for you to develop it. You better make it a priority because you're going to need it. Or you're going to run to the people that aren't part of the, your community of faith and they're going to give you bad information because they're not responding to heaven either. So the reason why God puts you in community is because you're better with the people he's put you with. And we're going to talk about the power of agreement in a couple of weeks. We can do more together. Yes. That's the reason why we started this church. Because we knew if we can get people around us that believe like we did, we could do some damage. Come on, we can screw the devil's plans up. Come on. It's our destiny to serve more than we're serving, to make community a priority.
And it's our destiny to advance the gospel more than we are. And listen, not just preaching the gospel, but making disciples. How many disciples are we making? How many, can you count them? How many people are you pouring your life into? I don't have time for that. Well, you better make time for it because God said this is what you're supposed to do. So you're saying no to Jesus by saying you don't have time and saying yes to your schedule. Okay. Listen, this is not fear-based reaction. All right, we're not we're not saying, "Hey, you better do this because God says it." No, that, that's just again fear-based reaction. But did you respond with gratefulness and say, "Man, Jesus, I love you so much. I want to do all that's in your heart to do." Our total yes. This is what He wants. Your total yes, from the core to the follow-through. God wants your total yes, saying, "Jesus, I am selling out to you. I am selling out to your kingdom." It's a total yes, absolutely yes, Jesus. Whatever you say, whatever you desire, yes. This is my life. Yes, Jesus. It's like there's this fighter that we watch. His name is uh, Diego Sanchez. And when he walks to the ring, he goes like this. Yes. 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 For like 45 minutes. Remember, Nate? Yes. 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 Right? That's how we need to be with Jesus. Yes. Right? Here I am, Lord. Your eyes are looking. Yes. Maybe not verbally. But maybe. That would be cool. People might ask you, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you. Yes. All right. Just responding to God. Yes. Luke chapter 14. <clears throat> Blessed is the man. This is Jesus talking about the kingdom here. All right. This is the kingdom. What are, what are we saying yes to? All right, what are we saying yes to? When we say yes to God, what are we saying yes to? Are we just saying yes to Jesus? Yes. We're also saying yes to the kingdom, to be a kingdom-driven people. Just like we talked about Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom. So, so what are we seeking? What are we saying yes to? What are we living in response to? This is it, the kingdom. Blessed is the man who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. And then Jesus gives this illustration. He said, it's a, certain, a certain man was preparing a great banquet, and he invited many guests. And at the time of his banquet, he sent out, his servants to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all began to make excuses. The first one said, I've just bought a field and I must go sell it. No, please excuse me. Another one said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. No, please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married and I can't come. No, The servant came back and reported to his master. The owner of the house became angry and he ordered his servants, go quickly, go quickly, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still more room. Then the master told his servant, go out into the roads and the county lanes country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full see God wants a full house we're not just talking about overflow church God wants this house full but God wants a full house in his kingdom not because he has an ego problem and he just wants people to show up Right? We don't want to overflow to be full because we, we have an ego problem. 
We want it to be full because there's nothing greater than our God. And we want him to ex- them to experience how great he is. So the reason why God, God wants people to come in is because he's prepared a feast. He's prepared a banquet. He's prepared a party for us to come and enjoy. But people begin to make excuses. I have this on my schedule. I'm too busy. Please excuse me. No. I just bought a yoke of oxen. No. I won't go. My life is more important. So what are we saying yes to? Number one, we're saying yes to the invitation. I'm going to get through this. We're saying yes to the invitation. Romans chapter 14 verse 17 says this, that the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. Right? It's not just about fellowshipping together and coming together, although that's great. But this is what it is about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. This is the kingdom. Who doesn't want right standing with God, joy unspeakable and full of glory, and peace that passes all understanding. Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want that? Would you like some joy in your life? No! (laughs) Right? Everybody wants joy. Everybody wants peace. Everybody wants to be able to lay their head on their bed at night and fall asleep that fast. Come on. We all want peace. We all want to be right with God. This is what the kingdom is. We're saying yes to the kingdom, yes to his church, yes to who we are. Listen, as a church, as the church, as overflow church, we are imperfect and flawed. But listen, we are still his bride. Right. I, I tell you what, I, I, just, I just would like to slap the next person that writes a book on how people hate the church and how the church needs to do this better. I just like to slap the next person. You know what? That is God's woman you're talking about. This is, we are the bride of Christ. We are not perfect, but we're still his. That's like you coming up and you saying something about it. She's not perfect. She's the closest I've ever seen to perfection, but she's not perfect. And if you come up and tell me that, I'm going to have a problem with you. We're going to have issues. It's not your business. It's not your business to talk about her imperfections. It's not about us anyway. It's about Jesus. There's misconceptions and misprints, but our mission at Overflow isn't to grow a great church and have a big community. Our, our mission at Overflow is to encounter the reality of Jesus, to encounter the reality of his kingdom, to encounter the reality of his righteousness, of his joy, and his Holy Spirit. That is what we want. We want people to encounter the fullness of God, his reality. It's not just about our church. So when we say yes, we're saying yes to that invitation, the fullness of God, the invitation that he's presented to us. We're saying, second of all, Yes to God's best. Uh, And this story is also told in Matthew chapter 22, and it says this. He says, the bulls and the fattened calf have been killed. It's like the the, the story of this banquet, the reason why there's such a frustration on the king's part is because here he is. He prepared all this greatness, and people are saying no to it. There's like not a better place to be in the whole world than in God's kingdom, than in his presence, yet we're saying no to it and making excuses. And the reason why he's getting frustrated, he's like, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Why are you looking for something, for life, in non-life, I am the life. It's been prepared. So we're saying yes to God's best. It's a banquet. It's a feast. It's a party. It's not a funeral. Notice Jesus never said the kingdom of God is like a funeral. He did say that you need to deny yourself, but he didn't say the kingdom of God's like a party. That's just what it takes to, to get in on it. 
So when we invite people, whenever God invites us, invitations, moments throughout our day, he's inviting us to his best. I'm, I'm convinced that the reason why we don't bring people into the kingdom is probably because we're not experiencing that. We're not experiencing God's best. We're not experiencing the righteousness of peace. And, and all that, listen, all that's found in his presence. All of it's found in his presence. Second Corinthians chapter 19, uh, chapter 1, verse 19. For Jesus Christ, the Son of God, does not waver between yes and no. He is the one whom Silas, Timothy, and I preach to you. And as God's ultimate yes, he is always doing what he says. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with the resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen, which means yes. Ascends to God for his glory. It is God who enables us, along with, with you, to stand firm for Christ. He has commissioned us and he's identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything he has promised to us. So when we said yes to God, we said yes to God's best, yes to the Holy Spirit. And the third thing that, that, that we are responding to is we're responding to the King's commission. We say yes to the King's commission. What we're saying with that is, hey, we're going to let other people taste what we've been tasting. I know we live in Dallas. I know this culture is saturated with the gospel. But is anybody living the gospel in front of the people that you're around every day? Are you going to pray that somebody else will come or will you be who God's called you to be? There were three people in this story. There were the invited that said yes, those that came in. Then there were the invited that said no's, right? The no-shows, right? I got to go do this. I have an excuse. You know, ex- we, we, and, and for us, sometimes we make excuses, right? And we need to stop making excuses and start making arrangements, they're the invited that, that took it lightly. That's what it says. It says they took it lightly and they began to make excuses. The no-shows. I'm sure that there were some when they went out and they started inviting people in. I'm sure that some that said, yeah, man, I'll be there. And they didn't show up. Right? Come on. You guys know what I'm talking about. The no-shows. And then third of all, there are the invitees, the servants. Those that said, I belong to the king. And then he said, yeah, you serve in my house. Did you know that you're a servant in the house of God? You're a son. You're a daughter. Come on. You're the bride, but you're also a servant. And our job as servants is to go and bring in those that aren't in the kingdom. We're talking about church, but we're talking about the greater picture is the kingdom. There's two statements in this story of urgency. I know I'm losing you, so I'm trying to finish. Listen, there's two statements of urgency in this story. Two words that were used by the king to talk about bringing people in. The first thing that he said is, go out quickly. He didn't just say, hey, when you get time, when you can make time for it. He said, no, go out quickly. Go out now. There was a sense of urgency. The Greek word for that is tekehos, and that means to get your butt in gear. Actually, that's not what it means. But it does. It means with haste to go out quickly. It means to go out quickly, to be hasty about it, to be frantic about bringing people in. Get your button gear. Invite people. And then he uses the second term. That's verse 21. And then verse 23, he says, make them come in. What? Well, hold up. Make them come in? Like, drag? yes, be a bringer. Go out and drag their butts to church. Compel them. 
necessitate them. That's what it means in the Greek, to show them that it is necessary for them to be at this great banquet, this party, this meal that I have prepared, the greatest thing that you've ever known. Compel them, bring them in with haste. Hurry, get out, get them, bring them in. And we're just like, ah, if I have time for it. Listen, an urgent request requires an urgent response. The desire of God is that his house would be full. Not because he's an egomaniac, but because it's the best place for people to dwell in. Luke chapter 10, and then I'm finishing up here. We, uh, we talk about this a lot. I know I'm kind of preaching to the choir today, but listen. Luke chapter 10. The harvest is plentiful. There's a harvest, a big harvest. It's already ready. But the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. The next verse starts off like this. Go! That's what it says. It says, pray. Ask the Lord of the harvest. God, send forth labors. Send forth labors. And then it says, go! What does he say? He's saying, you pray. Pray that God has sent forth labors, but also go.